0: Good morning and welcome once again on a beautiful Sunday here in Houston, Texas to the Digital Cathedral. Glad that you could be with me today and I hope as we get into the Word that you can follow along. We're going to work hard uh, this morning at developing some kingdom relationships and maybe look at some things from uh, some slants and dimensions that maybe you hadn't thought about. I want to start this morning over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you have your Bible, have your phone handy and want to follow along, we're going to look at any number of Scriptures today. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says this, "...but we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord." Now let me read that again, and I want you to pay close attention To what he's saying here, he's saying, but all of us, when we have an unveiled face, he said, we behold as in a mirror, we're reflecting back, we're seeing the glory of the Lord. And he said, we're being transformed into the image that we're seeing in the mirror. We're being transformed from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, there's a key in that verse that I think that we all have to get a hold of, and that is the fact that it all hinges around the fact that our face needs to be unveiled. The key in the verse is the elimination of any veil, anything that would stop us from seeing into the mirror clearly and plainly without any obstacle. Now, what I want to talk about this morning might, on the surface, seem to be pretty black and white, pretty cut and dried. However, as we look at it, in lieu of all of the changes and adjustments that are going on within the sons and the daughters of God, sometimes it really isn't all that simple. These veils that he's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 have a way of winding themselves into our lives and causing us to see into the mirror with a distorted view. So I want to deal this morning with two things, both of which are a given that have to be done if we're going to move effectively and effectually in the Spirit. And if we're to effectually move into the things that are going on, if we're to uh, be effective in what is going on within the body of Christ, within the sons and daughters of God today. So we're going to look at two things. And we're going to look at them in some depth. first thing I want to look at this morning is the elimination of any bonds that we have that are rooted in our soul. Now, when we talk about a bond, a bond is something that ties two things together. A bond, when we're talking about it uh, in our context this morning, we're talking about things that tie us or pull us or draw us to the natural world. Things that we would say have we have a common bond with, uh, with Babylon over? what What is it that influences our life and our action on a, on a soulish dimension? We can look at fears, insecurities, habits, attitudes, people, um, uh, circumstances, our job, business. I mean, there's a myriad of things that when we look at it, oftentimes try to influence and pull us by our soul into into directions that we don't really want to go. And I'm not speaking necessarily about evil things or bad things. What I'm speaking about are things that, that try to influence us, things that ultimately want to control us and move our focus off of spirit back into soul. They, they act as what Paul called in that 18th verse, they begin to act as veils that inhibit us, from looking into this mirror of liberty and being conformed into the image of Christ that we have a heart's desire to be. Now, the second thing I want to look at is an integration of our soul and our spirit. So we're looking at two things today. We're looking at eliminating any bonds that we have, any soulish bonds that we have, things that are not necessarily evil, but influences that try to pull us or drag us in a direction of soulish activity that inhibit our spiritual perception. And the second thing I want to look at is how to get our, our soul and our spirit integrated in together. Because the truth is, we are spirit. We're spirit. We're totally, fully, 100% spirit. we got to get this soul guy into a position where he actually does not compete with the spirit anymore. When we talk about the soul, we're talking about our mind, our will, our emotions, those influences... We want to get our life into a position where our soul is not competing with the Spirit, but the Spirit actually has precedent. It is the one that is in control and has a, has a position of dominance. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul puts this, in, I think, into a good divine order. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, he says this. He says, "Not me, the God of peace Himself, sanctify you completely." I mean, separate you. This is this is what we're talking about this morning: getting ourselves separated completely, right? Separated from soul into spirit, separating ourselves from influences, from pulls, from draws—not necessarily evil. Sometimes they're they're very good. Sometimes they're from people that we hold very close to us, but they're influences that try to uh, move us. And, and influence us and even control us in ways that are not directed by the Spirit of God. And so, so there are hindrances. So he says, I pray that the God of peace himself would sanctify you, separate you completely. And now watch, I, I think he puts it in good divine order here. And he says, that I, and I pray that your whole spirit first, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then in verse 24, he says, He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. So I see this alignment of spirit-soul-body, of spirit being, being the one that is in the primary position, and the soul coming, our mind, our will, and emotions, serving the direction of the Spirit, and our flesh then just living out the direction that the Spirit has for us as it's undergirded by our mind, our will, and our emotions. Now this is an act This is an action of the Father that comes by grace. It's not something that we can do ourselves. So Paul points out in that 24th verse, faithful is the one who called you, who will also bring this alignment into your life and create this, this right divine order. Everything we're talking about this morning is based on your ability to see in the Spirit and to keep your life uncluttered. In the body of Christ right now, there's no question about it, that He has, he's a, he has a call on us to leave this, this realm of soul and flesh and move into the control of the Spirit. Jesus said, whatever is born of flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of spirit is spirit. The dimension of spirit, this dimension of spirit that we're moving into is known by experience. The way of sons and daughters is to have an experience, is to have an encounter in the Spirit. And then out of that experience, out of that encounter, out of that revelation, then will come an understanding of what you have just encountered. So it doesn't work the reverse of that. And this is how we normally live. We, We reverse that. We want to get In understanding, we want to get some knowledge. We want want to be able to grasp and get our head around this thing as we're experiencing it or even before we experience it. And so the Father's coming along and He he is saying, no, that's, that's not the progression. That's not the way we're working. He's teaching us that true learning and true knowledge is not what we understand with our mind. Those things vacillate. The things that maybe today you thought were true and certainly science, told us 100 years ago, 50 years ago, there were certain things true. And now we find out today that that knowledge was not correct. It vacillates. It's up and down. It, it's it's not absolute. Um, um, and sometimes that's a bond we have to break. That's that's what I'm talking about this morning. That, that's the kind of bond, that soulish bond, that knowledge bond that says we have to be consciously aware, we have to understand before we can enter in, in experience. And God says, no, I'm not working that way. I'm cutting that that intellectual bond, and what I'm doing now is I'm bringing sons and daughters into an experience, into an encounter. You're going to have an encounter with the Spirit of God. You're going to have an encounter with me, the Father says. And once that encounter is complete, or once you're well into the encounter, then I may well bring you some understanding of it. So true knowledge really is what you embrace and what you can manifest. If you cannot manifest it, if you cannot produce it, then for you it's not yet complete knowledge. All right? It's not total understanding. To hear the word that God speaks to you, you hear it by spirit. Hearing and sight are functions of the spirit. They're not functions of the mind. They're not functions of the five physical senses. A lot of what we see is an illusion. A lot of what we see is not accurate with our, with our two physical eyes. Genuine seeing, genuine hearing is done by the spirit. You hear in spirit, then it begins to filter into your mind and into your consciousness. It doesn't work head to spirit. It works spirit to head or, or spirit to soul. It doesn't work soul to spirit. In Romans chapter eight and verse eleven, I think Paul gives us a good insight into this. Turn over there with me if you will. Romans chapter eight and verse eleven. Paul says this. He said, If the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. All right? So he's saying, All right, this life is experienced, not naturally, it's experienced through spirit. Therefore, brethren. We are, we are not debtors to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. You don't owe the flesh anything. You don't. You're not in debt to the flesh. You're not living according to the flesh. Verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, he says, you're drawn that way, you still are, are encountering ties that way, you die. But if by the Spirit, you put the Spirit in priority, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you live. So, this is the root. Right here we're getting down into the root level of where we're being dealt with today as we awaken. We're, coming, we're in a great awakening today. And this great awakening is, a, is an awakening of the Spirit. It's not an awakening of our minds. It's not an awakening of our emotions. It's not an awakening of our will. He's, he's severing those ties so that we can come into a complete spirit focus and look into that mirror with an unveiled face. What veils your face are the soulish ties that we refuse to cut. Let me ask you this morning, what is it that you value so highly that you're connected to in your soulish area that you wouldn't be willing to forego or cut if you could have complete and foresight into the realm of spirit? What is it that you value so highly that you're attached to that you wouldn't be willing to release it? The encounter, the revelation, the opening of the eyes are in spirit. Then your soul, your consciousness catches up and you become convinced in your mind Then what you have encountered or what you have entered into. That is the pattern that we find throughout Scripture. Let me just walk you through a couple of couple of people, a couple of men, that this is the way that it worked in their life. And this is what I believe we're coming back to recapture in this day. It is the encounter. It is the experience. It is the revelation that comes by Spirit. Then as we move into it, we begin to consciously get understanding. I at, let's look at the Apostle Paul. The first thing that happened to Paul was an experience. It was an encounter. On the Damascus Road, he didn't understand what was going on. He had he had no uh, mental uh, mental understanding. He had no mental insight into what was taking place. In fact, he said, "Lord, what do you want me to do?" He had no idea what he was to do, but he knew that he had an encounter. Right? He first experienced. Then he was drawn into the into the desert for several years to get a conscious awareness, to get a mental understanding of what he had already encountered. Let's look at Abraham. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to leave your family, your surroundings, everything is familiar, and I want you to go into a land. Abraham says, where are we going? God says, I'll tell you when you get there. Again, we find Abraham has an encounter with God. He doesn't understand it. He has an experience. He doesn't get the full impact of it. Then as he goes, when he arrives in the place that he is to be, God says, this is it. And God, and God begins to reveal to him what his purpose is. Moses had an experience. He talks to a burning bush. God talks to him out of a burning bush. He first has an experience. Once God has his attention through the experience, through the encounter, then he explains to him and Moses gets mental understanding of what it is that God wants him to do. He is to go back now to Egypt and deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. He didn't first tell Moses, I want you to go to Egypt and deliver the children. Now, let me give you an experience and an encounter to affirm that. He first gives him the encounter and the experience. Then he, taught, then he gives him understanding, conscious, conscious awareness of what the encounter was all about. We find, we find the disciples out on the lake fishing. They're not catching anything. Jesus shows up on the shore, calls out to them, Guys, drop your nets on the other side of the boat. They do that, and they have an encounter. They have an experience. The nets are so full that they have to to pull with all their might to get the fish back to the boat. Once they come to shore, after the encounter, after the experience, Jesus says, Come, follow me. And for the next three and a half years, they begin to understand somewhat, on some level, all what they had already encountered. Now, I want you to just take a step back. And if you do, you can see that the changes that have gone on in your life, the core of your being, <clears throat> have first happened within within you. Transformation doesn't happen just because we love Jesus. Transformation doesn't happen just because we understand doctrine or have a solid belief system. That doesn't bring transformation. Change, real change, is triggered by an encounter. And we just walked through four times and we could we could spend the entire morning just looking at the pattern in Scripture how when, when a man or a woman had an encounter, it changed their life, their direction, their perception, their belief, in 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 just the bat of an eye, in a split second, they were changed. It's more than just hovering around change. It's more than just, you know, sitting in church on Sunday morning, listening to, I don't care how, how good the pastor is or how good the teacher is, it's more than just sitting in the digital cathedral and listening to what I have to say every Sunday. That doesn't change you. It's not just hovering around. It's not just, just being where change is taking place. It's more than that. It's more than just watching teaching. It's about being immersed yourself personally in the Spirit. It's about coming into oneness and union with the Father so that there's no veil, so there's nothing that's blocking your hindrance from seeing. I think some of us are a little bit like the school of the prophets in the Old Testament that Elijah had. Let's look at that. I think this, this draws it well. You're going to look at the school of the prophets and you're going to look and see how Elisha, was different than the school of the prophets that were hanging and hovering around Elijah. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. And we're going to read the first seven verses of uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. Let me just get over there so that I can read this for you. I hope you're following along this morning. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1. Now watch. I want you to see the distinction here between Elisha and the school of the prophets. Because I think I think we, we think sometimes, if we could just get under the right teaching, if we could just listen enough or read the right book, that we will be changed. Now that's not what's going to change you. What's going to change you is an encounter. It's... And the encounter arises out of union and oneness and saturation with the Spirit. It arises out of intimate fellowship with the Father. Watch, watch this, 2 Kings 2, verse 1. It says, "...it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went to Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, "...you stay here, please." For the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. Now watch watch Elisha's response. Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I won't leave you. I'm not just going to hover and watch this at a distance. So they went down to Bethel. Now I'm kind of reading between the lines here, but I think the old man Elijah was kind of pleased that Elisha wouldn't hold and stay. I think the old man Elijah... Was kind of happy that Elisha went with him. See, Elisha wasn't looking just to just to, to hang around. He wasn't he wasn't looking just to be an observer. He wanted an encounter. He wanted to be part of the change. He he wanted something beyond that. Now let's let's read up, verse three. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came up to Elisha and said to him, "Do you know that if, that 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 the Lord?" Will take away your master from you today, and he and and Elijah said unto him, and he said, Yeah, I know, but he said, You just be silent. Verse four. Then Elijah said to Elisha, You stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me down to Jericho. But Elisha said to him, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'm not going to leave you. Not I'm not going to do it. I'm sticking with you. So they went down to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha. So they go, the sons of the prophets, they they go down to, to they stay back. They just watch what's going on, and they go down down to Jericho also. And they, again, they tell Elisha, "Don't you know that the Lord's going to take away your master from you today?" Elisha said, "Yeah, I know," but he said, "Keep silent." Then Elijah the third time says uh, to Elisha, "You stay here, for the Lord has sent me on the Jordan." But he said, "As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives." I'm not going to leave you. So the two went on. And it says in verse 7, And the fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance. Elisha had an encounter with Elijah. He was willing to enter into an experience with him. The fifty sons of the prophets, they stood back and they just observed. They they. They wanted to see. They wanted. They wanted. They wanted uh, 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 an intellectual entering into. They wanted to be an observer. And a lot of us have lived our lives that way. We just have. We haven't really gotten into it. We just have been an observer. And and unfortunately, it, it doesn't work that way. They they caught it in the soul. Do you see that the fifty sons of the prophets caught it in the soul. They had an intellectual understanding of what was going on, whereas. Elisha had an encounter and it changed his life. Elisha hooked up in spirit. He had a, he had a life-changing encounter. Now, I don't, I don't care how much really that you walked with the Lord in the past. It's the hour to stay pliable. It's the hour to move into an encounter. No more, no more of this rubber banding between soul and spirit. you know what I mean by that? It's the the, the back and forth. We break break into the spirit, and then we have these influences that we're still connected to, family, business, friends, jobs, uh, ministries, whatever it is, that pull us back, that influence us and pull us back to where now we're not living out of spirit in our job, in our business, in our relationships, but we snap back now to where we're being uh, influenced by soulish Tonics. So that, that back that back and forth, that dualism has got to come to an end. It's time to just not hover, it's time to move out of soul and move into spirit. Because as long as you have ties, bonds, binds to the soulish dimension, to the world and the system of the world, you have created a back door for those influences to come into your life and veil your face so that you're not looking into the law of liberty. You're not looking into that mirror clearly without hindrance. Therefore, change does not take place. You're an observer, but you're not a participator. Now, the freer you get, the more of of these ties, these bonds that you cut, the more of them you, you, you cut, the more free you become and the more obvious the rest of the ties still become. What I'm, what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is this. We need to begin to see every circumstance through the Spirit and not the soul. Every circumstance through Spirit lenses. Now, I hesitate to say that because I know a lot of you have charismatic backgrounds. And this whole thing of being led by the Spirit, seeing by the Spirit, has created a lot of flakiness. Let me tell you, the day of being flaky is over. It's time to become solid and strong and stable. When you look at things through the Spirit, it should make you increasingly uh, more ethical, more of a person of your word. The flightiness, the strangeness. When, When we come into a gathering of people that are led by the Spirit, and people come in from the outside, they shouldn't look at us and think, man, what a bunch of weirdos. What a bunch of strange people. I I know that you've relied on that, that we're a peculiar people. But that doesn't mean that we're strange, we're weird, we're kooky, we're off the wall, we're flaky. See, we've, 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 we've equated this dimension of spirit with "woo." That's not what it is. Seeing by spirit should make you a strong, stable Christ follower as the Christ is himself. He wasn't weird. Jesus dealt with severing the soulish ties Himself. And I want to read you a passage of Scripture that illustrates so well that Jesus had to encounter some of the things that you encounter, even from those that were close to Him, and He was willing to do it. There was nothing Jesus was not willing to give up to have full access to spirit visibility. Matthew chapter 12. Look at this this instance from the life of Jesus. This is going to minister to somebody here. Matthew chapter 12, and let me pick it up in verse 46. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 46 says this, And while he was still teaching the multitudes, behold, his mother and brethren stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one of the disciples came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. Now, you know, when your your mama comes to hear you teach, you're going to give mama a lot of attention. You're going to give mama a seat on the front row. If mama wants something, you're going to make sure mama's there. Your brothers come, your family comes. I mean, that's that's, that's somewhat of a pressure. Can you see the influence? I mean, Mom and the brothers were outside. They didn't wait till Jesus was done teaching. They sent word in and said, you know, stop now. We're here. We want to talk to you. So Jesus, watch how Jesus severs that influence. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hands the disciples and said, here are my, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of the Father in heaven, that's my brother, that's my sister, and that's my mother. Now, when I used to read that till I, I, I had a, a revelation of what Jesus was doing there, I thought, man, that's a little bit harsh. I mean, was he really being serious? I believe that he was as serious as when he told one of his closest friends, get behind me, Satan. He, again, in that situation, when he told Peter, get behind me, he's saying, Peter, you're not going to control me. You're not going to influence me. You're not going to tell me what I can do and what I cannot do. Only the Father has that right. So in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is talking about kingdom relationships. He's talking about breaking influences that try to pull us. Jesus said true, here's what he was saying, bottom line. He said true relationships are born out of the Spirit. They are Spirit-driven. Family, friends, business, bonds that exist, because our paradigm is shifting, you know, those ties that we hold most dear sometimes have got to be severed. Sometimes they can become almost like family can almost become the Achilles heel to what God's trying to get across to us. And as long as we are so influenced by family that we're not willing to sever the tie and move move from them, we have a veil over our face, and we can no longer see into what the Father is trying to tell us. Our thinking is still see our thinking is still in the process of aligning with His thinking. We, we break bonds. We say, okay, look, I'm going all out. My family will not influence and control me, my business, my job. I break those soulish ties. I look at things through the Spirit. And as soon as we break them, then the rubber band tries to pull us back into those old influences again. So why aren't we more effective? Because we're still seeing men as trees. we still got something over our eyes that's not allowing us to see clearly. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. There there is a very deep level of deliverance underway right now in the body of Christ with the sons and the daughters. Very deep. And it's needed. It's highly needed. And so, my prayer this morning is that the Father would show you what He is saying to you clearly. He would pinpoint those areas of soulish connection. So that when he speaks, you can hear it clearly. I, I'm not talking about what he says to you through the Bible. I'm talking about what he speaks to you personally. Right? That's that's what's able to separate the spirit from the soul. In Hebrews chapter four and verse twelve, it says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit right? It's not talking about the Bible in Hebrews 4.12. It's talking about the Word that God speaks to you directly. It's able to distinguish when He speaks to you, it will cut through, and it will lay open. You'll see what is of soul, what is of spirit. And He'll show you, here's, here's where you're still connected soulishly. Here's where the influences are. Here's what's holding you back from seeing into the spirit perfectly. Here's where the back door is still allowing those soulish ties to come in. And they say, well, I always thought that was talking about the Bible. Now, I tell you, it's not because in verse 14, 13, I'm sorry, in verse 13, the next verse, it says, after it says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit. It goes on in the next verse and says that He is... He is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the hearts of men. So the two verses in context are talking about him dealing with you directly. All right? Now, if we don't cut those bonds, the floor of the spirit will constantly drain away. It's siphoned off. It's like we got this spirit bucket that he's constantly filling up. But we have these holes in the bucket. of soulish ties, and what the Spirit is trying to move us into and say to us is draining out faster than what it can be filled. Oh, that's some good theology. That's some good belief. Now let me just put some legs to this for you. Let me put some legs to this Word. How how do you implement this teaching? Let me tell you how. His Word to you comes alive When the Spirit brings a depth of seeing and hearing to you, that that seeing, that hearing, is born out of an experience. It's born out of an encounter. In other words, you have an encounter with Him. And when you have that encounter, you're probably not going to understand what's happening. When you have that experience. however However you want to phrase it, however you want to address it. That, that, that word is, is born out of an experience, an encounter, a revelation. He first brings to you a new experience level. He takes you to a place you've never been. Then He brings the understanding to you. First spirit, then consciousness of mind. And when you, when you have the encounter by spirit, And he brings you conscious understanding. You know what? Bam! Your paradigm view, your beliefs. You just shifted. It just was a giant shift in your life. And it began right down here in the center of your being. It didn't begin up here in your head. The whole shift began down here in the center of your being. You know, I, I first experienced grace, real grace, before I understood it in my mind. And I went through probably about two years that inside I knew what real pure grace, apart from works and law and standards and church rate, I knew what it was. I, I was experiencing the freedom of it. But honestly, I could not put it into words. And I would try to explain to people what grace was and how God was you know, freeing us up, and I couldn't verbalize it. And so, always, people that haven't experienced what you've experienced, and when you don't have a conscious understanding of it, they're always doubting it. And they will say, well, "What about this? And what about this verse? And what do you do about this situation? This over here? What Paul said, right?" So, un- un- until you get the the, the the understanding of it that arises out of the experience. It it doesn't become yours. I I first experienced the love of the Father before I understood it. I began to see how much God loves us and how much God cares for us and the fact that He is not going to ever leave us or forsake us. That there's never any separation. I I understood all that. And once once I began to know that internally, then my mind, my consciousness began to say, well, if that's really true then this, what I believed over here about Him, is not accurate. What I I thought about Him casting people into eternal torment because they didn't love Him back, that can't be right. Because of what I know, what I've encountered of His love, what I've now experienced, the revelation that I have. So as your spirit aligns with and, and reaches the same vibrational level as the Father's, and that might be... That might be a little bit strong for some of you. I know that word vibrational will bother some of you. So let me just say this. When you and the Father, let me put it in Christianese, when you and the Father, when you align with the Father and you and He are on the same page, is that better? When you and He are on the same page, when your, your inner eye, that third eye, and that's going to bother some of you too, but that's what it is. You have one eye, two eyes, but you got a third eye right here. When that, when that third eye of the Spirit opens up, and that third eye begins to see, and you begin to experience, you know what it does? It sets you free. And the more you experience, the freer you become. Now, the freedom isn't necessarily physical. It's, it's freedom... It's the change in the framework of your spirit understanding. Right? We aren't using natural eyes to see anymore, right? My natural eyes have fooled me a lot of times. Natural eyes don't see an eternal kingdom. What the third eye does, the third eye looks and it surveys and sees an ever-increasing kingdom within and it sees this kingdom that is always expanding in uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. I'm not going to take the time to read it. But in there it tells us that Jesus will rule over an ever-increasing kingdom. And that kingdom within me, that's where the kingdom is. This kingdom is ever-increasing. It's ever-growing larger. It's ever-growing stronger. It's it's ever-becoming more omniscient and omnipotent. That kingdom within me now connects to the kingdom that is within you. Then to others all over the world. Some people we've never met. Some people we've maybe only uh, had contact on social media, but there is a spirit connection. You remember the book of Acts, how the spirit worked in Acts chapter two and verse forty-seven. This 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 stuff is just amazing when you begin to actually see it in Acts chapter two. Look how the look how the spirit worked. Acts chapter two and verse forty-seven. It says, "Praising God, having favored all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as were being saved. He added to the church daily. Right? Where do those people come from? Over in Acts chapter thirteen, it, it even gets bigger and stronger than that. In Acts chapter thirteen, verse forty-four. Acts chapter thirteen and verse forty-four, we read this." On the next Sabbath day, almost the whole city came out to hear the Word of God. You talk about an ever-increasing, ever-expanding kingdom. How did we lose grip on that? How did the kingdom get so small and anemic today? I'll tell you how. Because we are soullessly tied to so many influences today that the back door has been left wide open and all these things have flooded our life. They've pulled us in a direction other than a spirit encounter. And as a result of that, we're not seeing, we've got this veil over our eyes. We're not looking into the glass and being changed into the same image from glory to glory. We're not, we're not experiencing that. Where did all those people come from in Acts chapter 2 that were being added to church daily? Huh, how did this whole city come out? Do you think they were, Do you think all of the believers were involved in some kind of soul-of-soul soul winning program? You think they were pay, take, out there every day taking people down the Romans Road? You think they were out handing out four spiritual law tracts, trying to attract a crowd? You think they were going through evangelism explosion? You remember that program where you ask somebody if you were to die today and stand before God and he were to say, Why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? You think they were out doing that? No, they weren't doing any of that. The Spirit led them to. They were attracted to what the disciples were doing. You know, I I believe in Acts chapter one. I mean, come back to the very beginning on this Acts thing, because I think it's being repeated again today. In Acts chapter one, and and verse thirteen, it says this: And when they had had entered, they went up to the upper room, and it was all the people that were in the upper room: James and by you and the ladies and the women, and it says in verse 14, they all continued one accord in prayer and supplication. All right, I think what we're seeing today, I think we're encountering another upper room experience as we connect by spirit. These guys in Acts one were coming into a spirit connection. Those days that they spent in the upper room were spent, I believe, cutting all of the ties they had to everything that had influenced them in their life up to that point. And when they were all clean of that, they they came into one mind, into one accord. I think we're coming into that upper room experience again today, and I'm not talking about a physical location. I'm talking about a spiritual abiding as as one people that are bound not by soul, but by spirit. I've experienced it. Born of the ability to see and to ascend together in spirit. You can't join the upper room any more than you can join the body of Christ. It's a doing of the Lord. He's forming and creating his people. He's adding as he brings them together from every corner of the earth. I mean, just look at the digital cathedral. We have people that are on here all week long that are from every state, from nations all over the world. I'm not drawing it. I'm not doing it. It's not my ability. It's a drawing and a pulling together of the Spirit today. We're having church. We're not joining a club. He's drawing sons and daughters together. He's bringing relationships born of the Spirit. He's reaching into your heart, and He's creating spirit bonds with other people that are seeing what you see. Maybe you can't put a word to it. Maybe you're like I was when I first got under spirit, when I first had a revelation of grace, had an encounter with grace, had an encounter with the love of the Father. I couldn't put words to it. Maybe you can't explain it. But I will tell you this, what we've come through is all preparation for where we're going. It's preparation for what He still wants to do further within us. Alright, listen closely and I'm done. Listen carefully. There's so much more to experience and understand concerning this continual change that we're going through. Don't try try to stop the change. Embrace the change. The the, the day of flaky pseudo experiences are done. The Father is working into our lives a solid encounter birthed by the Spirit that is bringing stability and strength into our life. We're into another level of soul-bond-cutting deliverance, a deliverance within our thinking that will take us and step us over the line from soul into spirit. I really believe that. I believe we're leaving entirely the soulless dimension, and we're moving into a place of spirit. And I think it's going to become so strong, listen to me, It's going to become so strong that we will see by spirit more clearly than we have seen by natural sight. As he breaks every last hold, every last influence. And again, let me say, it doesn't mean it's sin or bad. Some Some of the toughest influences to get by are like what Jesus had to get by with his family. Every relationship born of the soul will eventually be removed. But as he removes them, he's going to bring into your, into your circle relationships that are born of spirit. And you know what I say? I say, Lord Jesus, weed on, cut on. I prefer that it be sooner rather than later. Let's get on with it in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, I think we'll stop right there for today. We'll, we'll kind of tie into this a little bit next week. Next week, I want to talk to you about uh, omnipresence meets grace. So, as we step over into this realm of spirit out of soul, there's some things that we need to be aware of and renew our minds to, and I want to get into that next Sunday morning. Again, it's good to have you with me. I'll see you Wednesday night on Wednesday Night Live on my Facebook page. We thank you for being with us today on the Digital Cathedral. We trust that today's teaching helped you in your journey to the abundant life Jesus has freely given to all. If you would like to help support us in spreading the gospel of grace, you can do so by going to donkeithley.com to make your donation. We thank you for your prayers and continued monthly support and look forward to seeing you again next week at the Digital Cathedral.